Hi guys, welcome to the January Tech Roundup. I'm Yemi, and with me are Dami and Tage. As always, uh, we'll start the episode by apologizing for <laughs> the long hiatus. Very long hiatus. Uh, it's it was Yemi, so I was going to say, I said, let me just respect myself, it's too early. But it was <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize on behalf of the Build by Visible. Uh, we will try to do better, we promise. But yeah, uh, so in today's episode, we'll be doing two things. One is just doing general highlights from last year. So talking about what happened in the ecosystem. I think all the reports, the highlights from the investment side are out. We know what happened last year. We're just trying to share some of our thoughts on why what happened and then some predictions for this year. And let's get started. So uh, I think most of the reports, like I mentioned, came out already. And some of the highlights from them were first that last year there was a lot of reduction in the investment activities compared to Mm -hmm. the year before. Key highlights being, I think, about $2.5 in equity investments, which is 54% lower than the year before, which was lower than the year before. And this feels like doom and gloom, <laughs> but we promise it's not doom and gloom. So I'm just going to talk Who's a bit promising? about... <laughs> Yemi promises <laughs> it's not doom and gloom. Uh, I think it's just really aligned with like some of the global trends that we saw already. And I think it, it's... Weird to say, but I think it's actually a good thing that we see this year because it shows that first our ecosystem isn't a bubble. Like it's still tied to what's happening globally. One of the key things about just Africa generally is that a huge chunk of the investments in startups still comes from global investors. And then they are realigning their portfolios. Okay, I'm sounding like super serious, like a report, but <laughs> clearly because they are realigning their portfolios. Affecting like their investments in Africa also. And then just key highlights is let's see, across all the markets, like the most dominant markets, there was like a slowdown in investments. Nigeria finally was not number one investment destination. <laughs> South I Africa right. overtook by total volume of equity. But Nigeria still has most deals. It depends on that's what I was gonna say that it depends on what you it ask. Depends on what like, you ask. There's like two like different uh, sources, and there's like one with um there's one with um Kenya. Kenya and there's, there's one, one with, with yeah, South Africa or something as the, the top. So it really depends on who you ask. I think for me, historically, I trust Partex report the best. And then so they break down into equity and debt, and so it gives you like a good visibility as to what's happening on both sides. And it's it's interesting just to like see how one more important debt has become in the last couple of years. Debt slowed down also this year, but not as much as the year before. But then I I trust Partex reports. My friends at Partex. I'm sick of you know. (laughs) (laughs) So I definitely trust what's in Partex report, and so they can sponsor this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) If you say so, (laughs) I trust three of them's podcasts. You know the big deal. Brighter and Partick, so three of them sounds very political. It's like I'm for everybody and I'm for nobody. I trust everybody's report. Go where the money go. Yeah, but I, I think honestly, like it's it's hard to collect like data, and everyone does it very differently. I think Britta tries to track from 
the deal's perspective. So like when their deal announcements, they try to reflect everything across all the markets. In my experience, Partech tries to track from the fund perspective in addition to the deals perspective. So what they do is they have information on all the deals, but then they send emails to like all the fund managers that they know, like the most active fund managers across the continent. And they're basically saying also, what did you do? What have you reported yet? What haven't you reported? And what are you fine with us, including in our reports? Which I think, yeah. So there's a lot of trust there, which is a competitive advantage for them. I spoke to one of my friends a couple of weeks ago, and then she's like, Yemi, Partech has all of this. They come and they ask us for it. Like, why can't they give us access? And I'm like, because when you give them your data, you tell them you trust them, and you don't want them to give anyone else. (laughs) And that's, like, basically what everyone else does. And I I think there's definitely room for, like, other players to do this. But I think for Partech, it's definitely a competitive advantage at this point, just because they have probably the most... I would even say the most complete or the most up-to-date because a lot of these deals are fairly public already. And the ones that are not public, there's a good chance that before their next funding round, they would be public. But I think it just gives them a view on transactions slightly before everyone gets that the lagged view. So most times what Tage would let us know it's slightly lagged. So like someone raised funds like four months ago and then announced. <laughs> yeah. So I think the, the one advantage there is I think they probably... too, like the other guys do the same thing. Yeah, they do. But I think because Partech is an investor, like they understand yeah. investors speak slightly more. And I, I think everyone understands investors speak, by the way. <laughs> but like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was one of the highlights just in terms of like, markets and south africa coming up participating investors dropped i think i highlighted this earlier by like 50 percent uh my theory on this is like there's two fronts first is a lot of global investors post as they reassess their portfolios globally we see players like tiger yeah, one of the more, i think they had like eight investments in 2022 yeah one of um, the most active investors yeah. last year they had i don't think they had any i think it was one uh, and I think it was a lagged report. Yeah. <laughs> a lagged report? I don't think there was any announced. So do you mean like it's yet to be announced? No, no I think do it was one it was that you announced, yeah, in 2023. I think Three. it was a lagged report, yeah. Of Tiger? Yeah. Mm, that's interesting. I actually can't remember like any... What's in your stage, man? Bruh, like I can't keep track. But check for real. Is there anything like that? Uh, maybe I, um, maybe I'm mistaken. Anyway, but I'm pretty sure I saw something at some point last year from. I think I don't very think early they last made a deal last year, but I'm not sure if I reported it or if it was announced. But yeah, like you were saying, three um participating investors, especially global ones. Yeah, we treated like you know, like flies, and I think you also you mentioned earlier um, about those investors reassessing their portfolio and trying to like shore up wherever they are in the US and more maybe Western markets than looking elsewhere. I don't think it's just the Western markets. I think they just slowed down generally, and 
an indicator. Yeah, of but that. like you know, some of them still like you know move funds from maybe crypto to AI and climate, and yeah, still so like maintain investments. AI and climate have definitely been very hot. Like even in Africa, I think for emerging managers, the people that I think had, I wouldn't say like the easiest run, but I know like two climate funds that were able to raise. Well, it feels like mm-hmm. most of the emerging managers are struggling with fundraising. But I'd say AI and climate are very sexy now. I don't know how long they will be sexy for, <laughs> but yeah, those are definitely some of like the yeah. sexiest scenes last year so a bunch of managers still chose to double down there uh i think maybe they use it as like a de-risk you know like just a bet that they expected to pay up eventually uh yes i'm talking about like debt is foreign investors retreating and more debt being raised um i think okay the debts uh venture debts reduced from last year right yeah it did um, reduce it's a bit yeah, so I think maybe my point is like who are the startups raising this venture debt from? Um, and also we saw increased participation from DFIs right in rounds, leading equity and you know debt rounds. So is that like a positive thing for the ecosystem that we have like you know the likes of IFC, BII, Propaco coming into rounds and you know participating instead of doing it via venture funds? which has been like, you know, what they've done over the past couple of years. Like last year, they're more like prominent in this rounds themselves. I personally don't think like there's been a shift in how the DFIs have participated. I think historically funds like IFC, for example, they've been fairly active as a growth stage investor. So they would probably invest through funds and then understand what's happening in companies and then choose to back who they view as winners after a while with bigger mm-hmm. checks. I think the key part here is probably access to debt, which is very important. That's one of the things I'm excited about, like through the DFIs, which I think is increasing or has increased in the last year. But I think definitely like they've always played. I think they're starting to come down market a bit and starting to do earlier deals themselves directly. Uh, I'm still out to see like what the, for the jury on that because i'm not entirely sure how well that works but i think we just wait and see how those deals work particularly for their earlier stage investments but i think on the growth side they've always been fairly active does that say something about our growth stage investing in africa because i know like the reports across like three reports um growth stage investing went down right by a couple of percentage yeah, I think growth went down and 31%, which is like the highest <laughs> in terms of like the 31. average size. Yeah, the average size of growth investments. Like, which is funny because we had like three, four, you know, growth stage funds close rounds and close their growth stage firms close their funds last year. Right. So is it, is it that there are no, um, there are few rather, you know, growth stage, uh, growth stage um, startups to back or there's not enough capital to back them. So I'll probably start with my definition of like a pure growth stage investor. We don't have a lot of pure growth stage investors. So they're investors who are early to growth stage and can be growth stage deals. So they can do a seed, a series A, a B, a C, but when they look and construct their portfolios, 
a big portion of their portfolio is probably going to be series A businesses rather than series C's or D's. So those are like the, I would say the telecoms and the Partex, where they have big funds, but when they build their portfolio, most times the strategy is come in fairly earlier and then participate and increase your stake in the companies as they grow across these other stages. And maybe from your portfolio, you do maybe one or two pure growth stage deals, which are like post-series B C&D. when you yeah. come in here. But, but I reckon that's like late stage. Don't you yeah, so that I is mean, like, there are different funds from, from that. Like, I'm different. So in, maybe what applies in the US doesn't really apply. But like, when you see funds raise maybe $900 million or a billion dollars, they're saying, okay, they're investing in late stage investing, so, um, startups rather. So from C, D, E, whatever, like to IPO. And the growth stage guys are like the A and B and sometimes E. Right? But in Africa, it's like we. You know, when these growth stage funds, like, you know, announce it's okay, we want to do ABC, or we can do maybe post C, right? So I don't think we have late stage funds, to be honest. I think we, have, like, we have enough late, late, stage, um, late stage startups to... Exactly. Yeah, there's that too. We don't really have that. Maybe, you know, the unicorns. Because I know Florida reference as a Series D, which is a late stage startup, in my opinion. Um, then you have... Time Bank is series, I think they're about to do series C. Um, and Copa is a series C or series D startup. Right. So we have actually just a few late stage startups. But then it's like, you know, um, what's it called? Semantics, I guess. It could mean the same thing, or maybe there's a big difference because I don't think the funds that you've raised, like 150, 200, are enough for the kind of series D investments that, you know, maybe the likes of Flutterwave. Or maybe in Copa that have raised a couple of millions or hundreds of millions would need before IPO, right? So I think like you're right in the sense that you know they are targeted like A to C should be their sweet spot, but I don't think they should be doing C deals, which I know a couple of them have. For example, um, Telcom with um, I think Okra back then and Partech did with Revio too. Right, and it's like opportunistic seed deals is what they call it. I'm like, you raise this bunch of money for you know, growth stage A, B, C. So why are you going to see to see? Is it because we don't have enough companies like backable companies at those growth stage companies um, levels? So uh, it's not that they can't invest in earlier deals. So from a portfolio construction perspective, so what happens most times is you have X amount of money. And you're going to spread it across different stages. If you see exciting early deals that you're very excited about, you can place bets in those. And then what that means is it's going to be slightly cheaper for you to invest in those earlier. And then if they do really, mm-hmm. really well, they help your portfolio. Most times, you'll probably average out deals in a certain round. So if you had a portfolio of 10 companies, there's a good chance that maybe five or six of them would be at the sweet spot for your fund, which is maybe if you're able to do seed A, B, maybe six of them would be series A investments. Maybe three would be seed and then one would be B. And I think this is like a broader conversation that we can have later around, like just the dynamics and like the mechanics around portfolio construction and why you do these things. 
but I think there's still a huge growth. Are we, we going to do it in such a way that our audience will not get bored? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying to make sure that we focus on like what we're trying to do, which is really just highlight what happened last year. But like in terms of how funds deploy, it's more technical than just saying, oh, mm. they have this much money, so they should invest in this stage. Because like everyone has like underlying thesis and then for you to be able to invest in something, there's a good chance it's either a one of exception or it's covered in the thesis you have agreed with your investors who have given you money. So it's part of your strategy to make some of those mm-hmm. deals. But I think there's definitely a huge like growth gap. And then with the slowdown in global investments and investments from foreign investors, we've seen that affect like a bunch of our growth stage startups. I think like there have been a lot yeah. of silent slowdowns with like some of the biggest startups across the continent. And then what do you I've mean heard the slowdown. So where startups have moved out of markets that they don't consider like the most profitable markets, though they aggressively expand. I mean, you give us before. the tea. Yeah, the, this this the EST doesn't exist to be given. Actually, you said you said you said you heard. Yeah, there are whispers. So, what did you hear? Tell us what you heard. We want to know so yeah. we can have like enlightening conversations. Like I was yeah. saying, there are whispers about like startups going away from like the extra markets they had and just doubling down on their core markets. And I think it's just aligned with just what people were trying to do last year, which has become more capital um, efficient. And then so. When you're in very high, like hyper growth stage, you test in a bunch of markets. Like if you look at, I'll say a Paystack or a Flutterwave, all their markets are definitely not equal. But there was mm-hmm. value in saying we're in X amount of African countries. Okay, yeah. But then suddenly, some of those countries, like as you've not been able to grow at scale there, now you don't have the capital required. You just have to slow down there or even shut down some of the markets and i think when there's a lot more capital we would see just growth back into those markets so it's kind of like double down on your winners now and that was a huge theme for most of last year then sorry back to i think the gap in investors also it's been a very 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 tough climb for emerging managers and then so typically the definition of an emerging manager is a fund manager raising their first fund. That's like the text definition <laughs> of an emerging manager. <laughs> and it's been a very... Yeah, tough, how much are you raising? I'm not raising any funds yet. But sure? it's been a very <laughs> tough market for them globally. And for that reason also. So a bunch of them maybe played around with some of their money or they had first close but then funds are just not coming the way they expected to. So mm-hmm. they are struggling with closing the rest of their funds. And I think there definitely was a lot of pushback from emerging managers. And they just didn't do as much as they did uh, prior to last year. So I think those are, yeah. in my opinion, some of the like things that caused that. And on the startup end, there was like friction from random things like... I remember the SVB event <laughs> that was like DEFCON. Yeah, that was crazy, <laughs> yeah. it felt like the FTX you know. event also happened last year. I know we don't really. It, don't yes, really it, it did. Yeah, it did. I think they were months apart. Yeah, they were. It was like back to back stuff, and yeah, I thought we'd have more like deaths by now. <laughs> like you know, when the whole thing happened at the time, just felt like oh, you know, startups are affected. You know, we don't know the counts now, but. They're up to 40, blah, blah, blah. You know, sources saying this and that. But, I mean, we didn't really have the shutdowns. And 
And we I, did have a few. I think there may have been silent shutdowns. And a lot of these announcements are probably lagged. I think I saw something. Shutdowns too. Wait, wait, wait. It's too early. What I mean because of reporters like you, reporter yeah, my guy, but like because wow. of reporters like you guys, you just like hunting them for two years. Nah, I think for lack of a better word, it's a cast because like you can hide the shutdown for I don't know, three months. I mean it's still lags, but maybe a month and people start talking like where is this startup? Where is that? I guess. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, if it's forging was like if you think about it. Yeah. Anyways, but yeah, cool one. I, yeah, I hear you guys. Yeah, you can like shutdowns too. Yeah, so I think those will be like more now. <laughs> yeah, and I think even when we're talking about like the slowdowns, a good example, and this was announced this year, was I think Bycoins closing down Bycoins Pro, which is one of the products yeah. that they had. I don't know whether that's part of like a broader story, maybe it's just a strategic decision to shut down Bycoins Pro. But like that's just an idea or an example of like slowdowns in products and shutdowns in like sub products and markets. Then uh yes, SVB definitely felt like startup and market on like <laughs> Nah, this was like across all markets too, because like I remember wondering if my salary was gonna get paid last year and like there's just like so much chaos. And finance officers just like see CFOs just not getting any sleep, and it was just like crazy. But yeah, yeah. I sure it wasn't blown out of proportion. I don't think it was. It wasn't blown out of proportion. It was. It was I think they were trying to contain the situation. It was really, 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 really bad. Like, I have found our friends and like in different countries. There were group chats where people are like, "Oh, this person, all his funds are stuck here. Like, yeah. how do we do it?" One person is like, "Ah, yes, I was one of the lucky few that removed my money yeah. right before." We were queuing <laughs> up at the bank to get their money out, and like they told them, "Like, oh, sorry, you can't." Like, it was really, really bad. Like, yeah. it was bad. There was no investor sleep and there was no founder sleep. And <laughs> like, CFOs. I think CFOs are the ones that suffered the most, to be honest. But yeah. Yeah. Then just other lowlights. I think also, like, just in Africa, there was a lot of currency devaluation in major markets. Nigeria, uh, Egypt still, still recovering I'll from speak. <laughs> devaluation <laughs> earlier. I think Kenya also. Yeah. So it's, it was really that was hard on the founder end. And also the fund. I think end. it was a little Durant, like among the top four markets that, you know, still stayed um, maybe the same as last year or two years ago. So, yeah, like you said, the Rand, Egyptian pound. Sorry, the, the. Egyptian pound, yeah. Yeah, the Egyptian pound, Kenya shillings, and the Naira, right? Yeah, all suffered about yeah. like 30 to 40%. And it's crazy because like you know when people i mean we've kind of flogged this topic you know like startups reporting revenues in dollars and you know um, having to convert from the local currency to dollars and it feels like they're not growing on dollar terms or you know they're too x whatever they're doing on like local currency terms so it's hard for them and it's harsh right because i wouldn't say it's harsh I wouldn't say it's harsh. It uh, it's a market I, I it is, reality. So, it is, but like it's still 
very very painful to have to deal with because even if a lot of people are saying oh then this is why like they should have focused on local investors and oh yeah we will give them money but but then it's like even for local investors say you give like a startup just hypothetically one million naira the purchasing power of one million naira like and even if they 5x the return with the way the exchange rate has gone down like the purchasing power is not really like changing it's almost like you one just, million not the last day game you get so it's not even like a thing where it's like even if you focus on local investors yeah. it's just the thing about purchasing power and inflation just like taking up the chunk of the money and so the returns that you would have made quote-unquote just doesn't really even mean so much to the local investor too right so it's a very huge problem um personally i think if you raise in dollars you value your company in dollars you're going to report in dollars (laughs) (laughs) it's harsh like i think it's, it's one of the unique like things with emerging markets and i think there are markets outside africa that have had it harder like on a currency level and it's just one of those things some argentina i'm not sure yeah and like this brings the question of like the role of government and like how governments create like an enabling business environment what happens next year uh but yeah that would be fingers crossed hope it gets better if not founders just have to work like twice thrice four times as hard and i think they kind of used to doing that already which may be unfair because like <laughs> you increase in dollar terms from one million to two million, where in local terms you basically like four extra yeah. revenue. But <laughs> uh, I've seen like some really unfounders that do like dual reporting now, <laughs> where they're like, "Look, this is the cash on cash growth in local currency," but then this is right. what it had to look like. And also, like I think it, it also helps with like a good way to think about how you expand. I know we had a conversation earlier when we were talking about like how it looks like there's a lot of interest in the francophone markets. I know this startup name withheld that um, they were doing business in Nigeria primarily. Why is the name withheld? They expanded 50% of their business to like francophone countries in 2022. So rolling into 2023, the Naira took a hit, but it meant that rather than their revenues taking almost a 50% hit, it took about a 23 to 25% hit because 50% mm. of their revenues were in Francophone yeah. countries, which are pegged to yeah. the euro. So let's talk about euro. that, yeah. actually. On topic of Francophone countries, in the reports we read, we saw that they experienced a growth in like their investments. Um, so, Yemi, as an investor, why do you think that was the case? <laughs> I, I think, so a big part of francophone like africa and maybe primarily the wemo region like why there's a lot of interest there it's eight markets the same currency a lot of similar like factors similar the same language i don't say the same language entirely but like french is like the primary language in addition to other languages across these markets uh there's a license you can get that allows you to operate across these markets for a bunch of verticals including uh, fintech i think wave was the first startup to get an e-money license which allows them to operate across all eight markets individually these markets look small they're definitely not as big as nigeria but then they have the advantages that they bring to the table also 
So I think that's a good thing. And a lot of the structures are similar in terms of like highly defragmented markets. It's pretty much the same in all these regions. So it's a large untapped market. And when you bundle eight countries as one market, and that's an oversimplification, by the way, because right. when you look yeah. deep into it, like it's... Yeah. I don't think Wave is more, more than two countries. Yeah, Wave is in... I think they're in two. They attempted to expand yeah. so I think, three Coast. markets... And I don't know whether or not they yeah. pulled back because there was an announcement about them expanding to some expanding, additional yeah. countries. Let me try to remember what countries those were. Uh, I think uh, Uganda, Burkina Faso, and Mali. But then I think they like went backwards and then basically decided to double down on Senegal and Ivory Coast. But then Senegal and mm-hmm. Ivory Coast within themselves are, I think, the two biggest economic markets within that block. And it's dominate those two and then grow beyond and i think everyone has thought about that but it's now starting to think okay where do you overlay strategy and culture with these markets what do you need to know that you don't but i think it's, it's a good region to expand for certain products excited about the region like so it's, do you think that and, and this is jumping a little bit into projections but do you think that we're going to see a ton of um, expansions into those markets by um, companies that are already headquartered or focused on um, the big four African countries? I think there's going to be a lot of doubling down on the big four rather than expansion okay. now. I think people are wary because expansion takes money like to expand Fair. properly. So like in as much as like there's not as much capital available as there used to be, I think there'll be a lot more concentration like in the market no, where but- people... But then, like, if they pose more benefit, right? So let's say you're doubling down. If you know that, to your point about the company, I forget the name, um, whose um, profit only took a small hit. Or oh, I didn't say the name. You didn't forget it. I just okay. Need to know. Thank you for explaining your name. But anyway, the company that you mentioned, um, who shall not be named, um, whose revenue only took a small hit because they um, were diversified. Like, they had, like, a focus also on the Francophone countries. Isn't that like a better strategy? Because again, you listed like the advantages of focusing on um, these countries, especially with regards to their currency and with the way that, at least I can speak for the Nera, the way the Nera currency um, is, is getting devalued, the rates is just really insane. And so if, if there's opportunity for me to spend a little more money to buy myself security, why shouldn't I do that? Why shouldn't I take that opportunity? As opposed to spending more money with hopes that some magic happens and everything like becomes good again. I think there is value yet again, but like there needs to be strategic alignment also. So I'm not just going to say, Hey, founder ABCC, you're going to Obviously, Ivory yeah. Coast now because Yeah, I was gonna ask like what what sector was that startup for instance? Because it also depends on no no, yeah, no, no it, 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 it's a fintech no, startup. Saying. And I think because of the way their business model works like, it was okay for them. Yeah, they, they find a way to build too. like a trust system that works for them, which expands seamlessly across markets. Oh, why do I feel like I know this startup? Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know this startup, but I'm, I'm out of the loop. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I know, but I think I know. But yeah, something like that will make sense. Um, that maybe a traditional thing like where you have to get licenses or, you know, a logistics startup or an e-commerce startup, right, where language barriers can come into play and just you understanding the markets. So I feel like 
it also depends on the kind of play you have in the um, um, as a startup, right? Because you can't just see because of the currency devaluation, right? Even though it's a legit reason, like you've mentioned, right? You can't just jump into it without understanding the intricacies yeah. involved. Yeah, in I, I'm not expanding. even. Thinking. I'm not saying they should jump into. I'm just saying it's just like something to keep in mind, right? Like, is this a possibility? Is this something that? But the market isn't that big, though. When you think about it, though, I'm market in the francophone countries. Yeah, like it's just like it's Ivory Coast and Senegal. Is the market in? Okay, let me speak for Nigeria. Is the market in Nigeria that big too? Well, kind of. I mean, (laughs) five, five, five million like digital bank, you know, users. Uh, actual like active users or just like oh we paid you we did we we got a, a bond and <laughs> you the apps, uh. they say you download the app and we'll give you yeah something like that yeah I mean when you, when you consider like the user base across Kuda Fair Money Piggy Vest right it's around that, that five million range and it's like please you have five million people you can bank online I don't think you can find that five million to even target. In is it a thing market. of should it be a thing of quantity of users, or I feel like we're going in circles? Yami seems frustrated. Should it be a thing of like the number of users or the value, like the value that you could possibly get, and the security? Because if you have like again, I'm just thinking of it from like a more economic point of view, of mm-hmm. like maximizing revenue. Because for me, it's like okay, can boast of four million users, but how much money are you making? I, I, true. I I think like like in all the markets there is money available. Yeah. With these markets, it's probably just like you need to think very hard about what sector you're in, maybe. Which so is understandable. A good part of that is I'll say first on the finance side. So if you're building a soft product where you don't need to build like physical infra, it's probably easier to do that. It's a large market. I think Wemo region has over 135 million people. So it's and but anything now is they're kind of scattered around in the sense that they're a bunch of very big cities which you probably should target if you're building like an infrastructure business. So there's Dakar, there's um, Kutonu, there are a bunch of cities Abidjan. that there's Abidjan. There are cities that have like huge number of people and that's pretty much how it works like in most other markets where most startups you see in Kenya who are doing like consumer products or in Nigeria or in Egypt, they are hyper-focused on like the big cities first. So it's just understanding that the big cities here are probably smaller than the big cities in some of these other places. But then you can now potentially build like a network of a lot of big cities together. Um, but yes, I think viable destination viable location potentially and yeah, it helps the hedge <laughs> against yeah, devaluation <laughs> but yeah 2023 was not just all doom and gloom like some good stuff happened and uh i, I think it's nice for us to maybe highlight some of those one out is though emerging managers like struggled to fundraise we actually saw a lot more emerging managers still come up so that's like probably a good sign. If these managers are able to raise substantial capital, there'll be more people with skin in the game and like skin in the markets also. We mentioned there were a lot of larger funds that successfully raised their uh, new funds. So people like I think TLCom, Partech, Northskin, 
just to name a few. Uh, a I'll lot. A Pardon? About the um, Norskin one. Because, I mean, earlier we're talking about how, like, we didn't, there was a drop in, like, growth stage investments. And Norskin, at least, I know that they announced that this um, fund that they had raised um, was going to be focused on growth stage startups because, like, they said that there's there's been, like, an increase in accelerators and early stage investments which is great but they think that you know like there's a lot of opportunity in the growth in the growth stage um space and so my question now is do we think that this will solve some of the problem that we had last year with like the drop in growth stage investment do we do we project to see more of those um of growth stage investments this year with these kind of larger funds i think it potentially aids that keyword aids not stops because we need a lot more capital allocators. You can't just have one primary growth stage investor because they would like if I was a primary growth stage investor, I don't have to do every deal. Fair. So you need like a large enough base of people that do understand the market and are able to do these. So I think it definitely helps to move the needle a bit, but I think there's still a very big gap for growth investors and like in the market like when everything is good you don't see it because like a bunch of like the biggest growth stage investors globally are invested in like different markets there are startups that have gotten to a point where i think it's not as big a problem for them anymore so like the andelas the flutter waves like yeah. the gap of this from a local perspective is not really a problem for them because they have a strong enough investor base with like global investors that it's not easy, but ideally, it should be possible for them to raise additional capital if they need to. Okay. Yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Yeah, so another key highlight from last year, we saw a lot of increase in acquisition activity from some of the growth stage players. So I think um, key companies include MoneyPoint with an acquisition, Fair Money, and I think there are a bunch of other players also that started to just do m and activity. Yeah, there are smaller players too that the Sendchamp and Hugo's, right? That was like yeah. big news too. Yeah, it's also, I think, there are smaller acquisitions that we didn't hear about too, right? Yeah, I think check out. My thing with acquisitions right. is that, like, you're not exciting to me if I don't hear the numbers. Sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> but it is what it is because you're acquiring someone for, I don't know, without exchanging money or maybe just stop. We need to know, right? Yeah, it's, you know, it's exciting news, but I don't think we'll be celebrating Stripe pace time like how we're doing if we didn't hear about this hundred. I know I've said this a couple of times, but it is what it is. Money points Kobo Kobo, for instance, you know, it's supposed to be a big acquisition because Kobo Kobo is a big player in East Africa, right? Money points here in West Africa. But we don't know how much it was. And that's why sometimes it's hard like it's you know, it's easy to forget it even happened. No, but yeah, I think we right. just as a lot of these are like private transactions, like no one Why actually. Private, well, like, like, they're oh, private, but like, when, okay. when they are being announced in the US and everything, it's like, oh, we're happy. We're like, yeah. It's you not know. all US and, announcements that get like the numbers. Also, I think true. it's I important to know true. that most of them do, though. But like when you're raising when you're raising money, it's not a private transaction. So why why are we hearing about you raised ten million dollars? It don't tell us how much you exited for. You know, I'm a doing math. Like, how much did they raise in total? How much could they possibly? Exactly. 
<laughs> you get I'm a huge fan of like so every communication being strategic. So I'll give an example. Stripe Paystack acquisition, because of how Paystack was still going to operate, it was very strategic to know, look, Stripe views Paystack as their Africa arm. They've put in this much money to get it. And then this means we're going to support Paystack. Like it has an effect on the market for Paystack from a strategic perspective. Or when you have fundraise announcements and you come and say, hey, uh, I am one of four companies in this sector and I've raised three times as much as anyone else here. It's essentially saying I have investor confidence that is potentially positioning me as a market leader. So like those communications, like there's stuff that comes behind it. A lot of times these acquisitions that we're seeing are not entirely like cash acquisitions. And it's a way yeah, for, exactly. the announcements are a way for the acquirer to say, hey, we're getting bigger. But like, we don't need to tell you by how much yet. But I, I do, like, I would love to know how much acquisitions are. It makes everyone's jobs easier because it gives, like, investors information on comps and then you know what, like, going transactions. Which is very rates. important, exactly. And also when you're building startup as a founder, you know what's possible when you're in that space you're building because... Yeah, everyone just looks at peace that can think. I mean, look at the conversations that were happening at the time. Oh, 200 was too small, it was too big, blah, blah, blah. And no one has existed for that amount since then. Insta you know, deep, bar, my brother. Deep. No, no, I mean, I mean, I mean in, pay, in payments, in payments. In payments, there was Wave's partial acquisition for half a billion. My brother, yeah, the plug now. You can't be letting me remind you of the send wave. Waves was before. Um, no, no, but send where World Remit was after Paystack. It was after Paystack, but then again, when you think about it, like, you know, Sendwave isn't freely, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's not what? Use your words, please. Use your words. Please. Use your words. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I don't understand, well, I don't understand what you're saying. Sorry. No. sorry. I have Sendwave I, on I, all the decks where I'm talking about African exits. Like, you can't just say, uh, Sendwave. It's not what. Anyways, Insta Deep. When we're talking about Insta Deep acquisition, yeah, I mean to, to Yemi's point, like everything is strategic, right? Um, so Medios, the guys acquired Expensia. So Expensia is Tunis, um, a Tunis-based startup. I think also um, based out of London to like um, Insta Deep. And it's funny how Tunisia had two major exits. Yeah, exit last was, year. So on a related note. I read somewhere that it was so like people started building so much for like external markets to get acquired that it was becoming like a pandemic in Tunisia because of because the, of the exit yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you serious yeah I, read, I can't remember where I read this <laughs> that's cool but yeah I mean we had to make an exit there and you know the whole of sub-Saharan Africa acted like nothing happened but anyways it's you know, not the media advantage. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, like, we should celebrate these things too, right? Because, like, I don't know. There's a deep one, for instance, AI and, you know, with everything happening in that space, you know, it should mean a lot for the continent. But, yeah, going back to Yemi's point, so the media's acquisition of um, Expensia, I don't think the deal was announced for strategic reasons too. I think they're, like, PE, and they're trying to get into, like, the whole startup. Um, game so for whatever reasons did he announce it so I get like yeah you know 
it makes sense to companies like for a very reason to announce or not announce figures of the deals that you know of acquisition deals. But I just think it'd be more exciting to know just for you know for the sake of the ecosystem. Hopefully yeah, I... we get more we get more this year. I mean if we had fair money and smile ID, you know, around the ten, twenty million dollar range last year. Um when they acquired um pay for us and approve respectively. So yeah, we'll probably see more of that. And then the final highlight from last year, I think just from my perspective, is there was really good growth in investments in female backed businesses also. I think it was twenty four to thirty eight percent of the deals, which is I think substantial. Though in terms of actual investment value, it didn't go up, but I think our assumption is it grows by volume first and then the cascading effect like over time as these startups grow is in other years we'll get more representation as they are more growth stage female-backed businesses. Yeah, so now we are going to move to another segment where we talk about our predictions for 2024. And like no one has an idea how this is gonna go, but what we're gonna yeah, do, do is <laughs> each person is gonna have two predictions for the year. Uh, just so no one steals my <laughs> predictions, I'm gonna go first. So I think uh my first prediction is I think there's still gonna be a bit of a slowdown early in the year, but then there should be some pickup because I expect there will be some more growth stage activity towards the end of the year in terms of just investments and then i feel like i say this every year but i think this year we will get another major exit and i think every year i've said we'll get a major exit we kind of have it looks like just in terms of like the global stock market there's starting to be more activity towards uh, startups going public i think some African startups may attempt to primarily maybe startups that earn their revenue in FX. There's a good chance I'm very wrong, but I think we would. We, we see... all know one startup that I think is trying to go public. We all know. Who's that, Danny? Who's that? Ah, uh-uh. it's Flutterwave. Yes, we all know Flutterwave. We all know it's Flutterwave now. Like, <laughs> Yemi has dropped his predictions now, so you can cross his. Not only one prediction. It was two. Increase in growth stage investments and an exit. Oh, that was my first one. I was going to say, oh, God, you me too. Okay, maybe I'll just add a third one as Damon is complaining. I also think <laughs> there is going to be a increase in investments in what I like to refer to as probably the secondary markets. So there's exciting stuff like a UNDP. This is secondary markets. Yeah, the secondary markets. So I think markets outside the core four. I wouldn't say maybe even tertiary markets. So like outside the core four, we have like secondaries like Ghana, Uganda, Morocco, Tunisia. But we'd we'll see stuff from like the Gabon see... and the Botswana of the world. I'm saying the more Rwanda than Botswana. But... Now, Rwanda is going to be like, in my opinion, I don't know why we still refer to Rwanda as like a secondary market. I think, I think they're actually more secondary. And I think they'll be moving more towards like primary because if Kenya has already made it to primary. Dami, yeah. tell me a Rwandan startup. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting that. <laughs> with, 
Wait, let me tell you why. I'm using logic. No, no, no. I, I don't know if Rwanda start Give me right numbers now. and names. Wait, <laughs> wait, I think I think there's a lot of, okay, maybe okay. Okay, I think okay, I think they're more secondary. And I'm saying this tertiary, not no, secondary. I think they will move into secondary. You are slapping the secondary startups at the moment. The sec- okay, who are the secondary startups? Secondary markets, like there's Ghana. Ghana has large startups, even like cheaper cash, but it's a secondary. Sorry. Ah, like M Pharma, but it's a secondary market. There is Senegal, which has Wave, and it's still a secondary market. There's Uganda, which is a secondary market. There's Tunisia. There's Morocco. These are all secondary okay, markets. Okay, fair. And they have okay, like- so I think in my head, I think so. So this is the thing. I think because I track more traction with um super super early stage. There's just been like a ton of investment going into Rwanda, and like it seems like the Rwandan government is doing a lot of work in trying to bring startups there and trying to make it easy for people to run startups. So I think I'm using that as the basis of the thesis behind my prediction is maybe flawed i guess because i think in my head i'm like okay when i think here when i think of kenya i think of okay rwanda behind it um and maybe that's also flawed thinking right but i think just because of a lot of the like the funds that were the innovation fund that was announced and that they've been deploying last year like the rwandan government has been doing a lot of work there i'm thinking that they're trying to bring more more um companies into their country and so i'm thinking okay there's going to be more traction. There's going to be more Rwandan startups coming up. But I just think that they're more early stage. So maybe that's why you define them as tertiary. But I think in my head, it's just like, okay, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And we definitely want to keep our eye on like that ecosystem. Um, but I would definitely wouldn't pit it against like the Ghana and the Ugandas of the world just because of like the amounts that they've raised and um, the kind like the... Um, I don't want to say the age of the companies they have, but like they tend to, they, those markets have more growth stage startups for sure um, than um, the Rwandan market. So I will agree with you ish that like they're a tertiary market. And also, like just in, in, in favor of your Rwanda, there's a good chance <laughs> they, they, they may be having like substantial human capital inflow if Rishi Sunak's plans are able to <laughs> come to fruition where they're trying to basically i think he's discussed with the rwandan government and they're trying to pass a bill through parliament that proposes that uk asylum seekers will be sent to rwanda first (laughs) to have their claim (laughs) process there (laughs) and then if their claims are successful they would be moved that basically they'll get like asylum and if they're it's human capital like Asylum seekers mm-hmm. are across like different asset classes. They're just called humans assets. Like they're across different skill <laughs> classes. So it's increasing amount of potential consumers. Some asylum seekers come in with purchasing power. Some don't. Some come in with skills. So it's like essentially increasing like quality across different segments of people just interested. But yeah, yay Rwanda. Oh my god, you're mocking me at this point, but go off. Tell me your predictions. My prediction was just mostly like shift away from like the big four, not too away, but like we'll just be hearing more about like the smaller or the tertiary markets, um, the Rwandas, even like the ones that we've never even heard, the Botswana's, the like the smaller, smaller ecosystem, the Tanzanias. Like I feel like there's, there's some stuff that's happening in Tanzania too. 
just from an early stage lens, I think I, I'm more focused on like super, super early. I'm looking about like even pre-seed, like, you know, family and friends around um, stage startup. Um, it seems like there's a lot of stuff happening in Tanzania too. Um, and so I'm thinking that, okay, there's going to be, you're going to be hearing more from like those ecosystems this year. Um, and my second prediction is um, around M&A. I think that we're going to be, there's definitely going to be more mer- um, acquisitions this year too. Um, and it seems like people are seeing that as like a viable exit strategy now. Like it's like one of, yeah, I think people are seeing it as more like an, a viable exit strategy. I don't want to go too into that. And I think we'll definitely be hearing more um, around that this year. And also to Yemi's point, um, an increase in like growth stage investment. So maybe it'll be a little slower at the beginning of the year, but like mid towards the end of the year, um, we definitely will be hearing more, hopefully less um, extensions and bridges and more next stage um, level raises. I think that's it for me. Yemi's smiling. Yeah, I mean, why are you smiling at me? I have nothing to say. Tej, what are your predictions? <laughs> so first things first, time bank will call me unicorn. <laughs> Bruh, you're basically cheating because like time bank already announced they are trying to raise a hundred million at a unicorn well, valuation. <laughs> just came like... Nothing is going to happen. Did they not say like no one is saying is going to like you know for sure it will happen? You know, since it's out there that it might happen. I might just predict that it will happen. So this is me saying it will happen. You understand? Actually, I don't know. Maybe it might happen or not. And money points too might be a unicorn. Then still talking about unicorns, we might we might see a unicorn like you know shut down, names unknown or withheld until further notice when it happens. Then talking about like mid stage investing and all that. I think I think there's going to be um what's it called. It's still going to be like you know this, the same reduction that we saw last year, this year in growth stage um, investing. And if it does, like if we see more startups raise growth stage rounds, they will have to like take serious valuation cuts because you know they are growing well, but like the currency devaluation doesn't help, right? And their numbers are you know most likely going to be under. Like you know, a decrease like in dollar in terms of dollar value from last year, and it probably lead to valuation cuts. So we might see more valuation cuts this year than than last because everyone kind of raised at not everyone but most startups raised at flat rounds last year. You know, the bridge rounds, Series A extensions, Series B extensions, seed extension. Most of them were at flat rounds. You know, startups we found was trying to maintain. Evaluation that got during the 2021 and early 2022 um, VC boom. But, you know, it's going to be inevitable, like, you know, the down rounds this year. Um, which other prediction? Um, we may probably see major acquisitions, like, you know, from the big fintechs. So, further away, money point on Africa. Um, Yoko into Switch, right? They may acquire like very well known B2C players, like in the marketing, you know, different markets as part of their consumer play and just consolidation efforts to look attractive, you know, for later rounds or in case of an IPO. 
Um, so, I mean, we know interest rates are flooded with our billion the IPO watching is for interest rates maybe five plus years now, probably with a year and two or two. So like those acquisitions will, you know, just like how Stripe and Paysack happened, make them look more attractive to global investors. Should they, that's if they have IPO this year. I think that's all. So it looks like Tej is trying to kill African unicorns. Tej, which unicorn are you trying to kill? Yeah. Man, we'll have to wait and find out to uh, see by the end of the year. Just a prediction. Okay, we'll see. Prophet Tej, we'll see what happens by the end of the year. That's me. Um, open the church. <laughs> but, <laughs> but with that, I think we've come to the end of, of this um tech roundup. I think it's been a very exciting um, January. It's been a very exciting 2023. A lot of things happened as we recapped. Um, but we're super, super excited for what's going to come this year. We know that it's going to be a lot of fun news <laughs> that we'll be seeing, including possibly a unicorn dying. Tage only, it's only Tage that knows which unicorn. Um, but I guess maybe we'll all find out. We'll see. The prediction, uh, I'm not saying to happen. <laughs> but that's a very specific prediction. Because you never say a company or you didn't say like a... Bruh, they're like 10 It's really exciting. Bro, you don't have that many unicorns. So now everybody's not doing much. Like, which unicorn can pop around guy? Waiting to kill somebody. Bro. Now take what you're talking about. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, with that, we've come to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for sticking with us. We'd love to also hear your predictions. So if you have any predictions about 2024, uh, you can drop them in the comments or you can just put it on Twitter um, and tag us at visible.africa. Um, but we hope that this has been an insightful episode for you. We hope you learned something. We hope we provoked some thoughts, <laughs> at least some thoughts about which unicorn is going to die. Um, and... <laughs> We hope to see you next month in our roundup. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, and we hope you have a great month ahead. Please don't forget to subscribe um, to the podcast, share with your friends, um, add us when you're posting on Twitter or on LinkedIn, on social media, wherever. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your comments. We'd love to hear your feedback also. So, yeah, thank you so much, everyone. Bye.